Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night uh, evening devotional. I'll be doing the devotional part, and Pastor Cliff will be in the, doing the prayer part. Uh, thank everybody for coming this evening, and for those of you online. Uh, this evening, I'm going to be uh, in 1 John. I plan on uh, working my way through the book of 1 John, so it's just, just going to be kind of an introduction of 1 John. Uh, Sunday evening, uh, through uh, New, New Harvest Ministries, NEO, I'll be uh, starting to uh, expound on the book. Uh, it's going to just be a real pleasure and a joy what we can extract out of God's Word. Uh, but first and foremost, let us just go to the Lord in prayer. Our, our Father and our God, we, uh, as we enter your throne room of grace, Father, we enter it with just uh, an awe and look in the... the your light, Father, how it's so bright. We thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you've done, that you're doing, and you're going to, going to do. We pray for the wisdom to lead and guide us, the Spirit can guide us in the right direction. I pray for your words. I pray for my brother Logan this evening also, Father, as he's in a prayer meeting right now. We just ask that you be with him and guide him. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, this last uh, Sunday, I had the opportunity to preach at uh, uh, Sunday morning, and I was preaching in 1 John, uh, and uh, went to kind of a Bible study, and, and he was in 1 John. And uh, what the problem I usually have, Dan will attest to this, uh, sometimes we don't always agree, you know, and I felt like I was getting into another one of these relationships all of a sudden. Uh, but uh, Dan has been training me for years now to how to do it properly, so I appreciate that, brother. So the gentleman starts off, and he says, to, he says that First uh, John, first chapter, this is to non-believers, that believers do not have to repent, because repentance would bring them back into the law. And I, whoa, okay, well, it's kind of set me back on my heels on that one. So, we, we made it through Sunday school, and I, I believe a lot of the things that we were discussing, uh, I, I agree with him on lots of things, it's just that one point. So I believe that we were inside the sandbox, as I would call it, but there were some real errors there. So how, how do we approach that? Do we just not say nothing about it, or, or do we bring a biblical argument uh, to extract what the Word of God says? Uh, and so that's what, that's what I'm going to try to do a little bit tonight. And the one thing about 1 John, uh, we believe that uh, the Apostle John had written the book. And it was speaking to the assurance of salvation that we're far from perfect and to love one another. That's the context of the book. And that's the, as Christians, that's how we should... That's how we should live our lives. We should have the assurance of our salvation. We should always confess our sins and repent. And we should always love one another as Christ loved us. And so here John goes into this text. And uh, but before I go in there, what, what was happening, what we believe from the text, what we see, 
is because we know in the book of John, it starts from the beginning of time, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through God. Apart from Him, nothing came into being. He was the light and life of the world, but the darkness could not comprehend or overcome. And to this day, the darkness cannot overcome the light. The truth of God's Word cannot be overcome. It stands. Well, First John now, it kind of starts off from in the beginning that because they believed that the agnostics were coming into the church, and, I, and I'll make my case for agnostics were coming into the church, and it was people were losing their assurance of their salvation, of saved people that were saved, and they began to doubt that and question things. And he, he, so he starts off by saying, that which was from the beginning, which we, now we is a very important word here, uh, we meaning myself, and my fellow believers, my, my fellow uh, apostles, uh, my, my fellow brothers and sisters that were seeing Christ, seeing these things, was we. He says, that was from the beginning which we have heard, they heard Jesus talk, which we have seen with our eyes, they've seen Jesus, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, physically touched it, Jesus with their hands. Concerning the word of life, which the word of life is Jesus. Because the word, remember the word was in the beginning with, with God? The life was made manifest. They got to see the manifestation. God incarnate came into the form of his creation. God manifested himself into the form of his creation. They've seen that. And we have seen it. And then not only do they see it, and we testify to it and proclaim it to you, the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Very clear. It was the beginning when Jesus spoke to them that they seen it, that they came to believe. What we have is we have a lot of false religions and out there, and it, it just amazes me. Uh, well, it doesn't really amaze me, because in the beginning, it's always about casting and putting doubt. I just want to go over a, a couple of them real quick. Uh, remember that we believe this was the Gnostics, and we're, we're going to get back to them. Now, Judaism, uh, they, you know, they gave birth to Christianity, and some things they believed. Jesus was Mary's son, uh, but she was not a virgin. W was... Uh, had many disciples, they believed Jesus had many disciples, was respected, was a miracle worker, uh, claimed to be the Messiah. They didn't, the Jewish people didn't believe it, but they had his disciples, disciples testify to that, that's what he said. He was crucified on the cross, but denied the resurrection. Jesus' followers reported that he did rise from the ground. Uh, so, that's Judaism. Now, Islam, interesting one. Jesus was born of a, of a virgin. Jesus was to be revered. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was a wise teacher. Jesus was a miracle worker. Jesus ascended to heaven in a bodily form. Now, here the, the Muslims, Islam, actually believed that Jesus ascended into heaven, which the, the Jews did not believe that, in a bodily form. Jesus will come again. All right? Now, interesting thing about that, they believe that Jesus will come again. Uh, well, Muslims, uh, I'm going to read a little article uh, 
I, I, I did print it off, and it was, it was real interesting, because I, I wanted to get this right. And if I get this wrong, and someone's a Muslim or a Judish, uh, Jew, Jew, and I get it wrong, please, please let me know. Uh, so it says, while Muslims acknowledge the ascension, they, they either deny that Jesus was crucified or that he died on the cross, most simply believe Jesus' death was an illusion, and some even believe that Judas Iscariot was mistaken for Jesus on the cross. And because of their saying, in boast we killed Messiah, I say, I don't want to read that, I'm going to just skip down here. Jesus will come again. This is an interesting, this is what the Muslims believe. Islam acknowledges Jesus will return in the future during the latter days of the Hedith. A collection of sayings from Muhammad describes this second coming of Jesus. When Muslims acknowledge the second coming, they maintain Jesus will return as a Muslim. Jesus is going to return as a Muslim and as a follower of Muhammad, returning to earth to revive Islam. Okay. Uh, now, we have the uh, Mormons. Mormons believe that God the Father and Jesus are two distinct beings. Don't believe in the Trinity. They believe the Mormons also believe that God had a mother, a mother and a father, that it was born, and, uh, and that we can become gods also, and they deny the Trinity. But see, they're all claiming Jesus, uh, uh, of knowing him and professing him. Jehovah's, they deny the Trinity. They believe Jesus was Mike, but they believe that Jesus was Michael the archangel. Okay? So now the Gnostics. The Gnostics. They're an interesting bunch. And what would the, the, the Gnostics believe in this time? Uh, and I try to do some research on that and uh, come up with a, a couple things here. Consequentially, the Gnostics considered material existence flawed or evil and held their principal element of salvation to be direct knowledge of the hidden divinity attained via mystical or esoteric insight. Many Gnostics texts deal not in concepts of sin and repentance, but with the illusion and enlightenment. Now, it's funny that they believe that the creation is evil, but the spirit is not. So they believe God of the Old Testament is evil, but uh, Jesus is in the spirit is not. And they believe that uh, you could have two, well, there's some words here, uh, cosmological, Cosmological dualism, the moral or spiritual belief that two fundamental concepts exist with often opposite, oppose each other. So two fundamental concepts exist and they oppose each other. They believe in strict ascetism, the practice of strict self-denial as a measure of personal and especially spiritual discipline. Repudiation of material creation as evil, doctrinism, and the, and the existence of the divine spark is in humans. This was what was coming into the church at the time. The agnostics were coming into the church and causing a doubt in the believers' minds. Because why is that? Because the agnostics, they de deny the physical body. They believe it's a spirit. And here we have, an, a, an evalu we have a testimony 
of our Apostle John, which is saying that he heard him, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. And we, now each, that says we here, one, two, three, four times. We, meaning me, John, and my fellow prophets or uh, believers, disciples, my fellow, my fellow disciples, we, me and my fellow disciples, and it testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, meaning us, made, well, that could be all of us then, because uh, he did, that which we have seen and heard. Now, they, there again, they seen it, the group of people, his disciples, John's, we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. Now, the you may be because they did not see the manifestation of Christ. They didn't get to touch Christ with their hand. They didn't get to do these things. So they're reassuring them that they did, that they seen this, so that you too may have fellowship with us, meaning us, me as a believer, and it's indeed our fellowship is with the Father and the Son in Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be, may, may be complete, walking in the light. Now, this gentleman on Sunday, tend to believe, said that once we're saved, that we have fellowship with God no matter what. Well, I've had fellowship with God my whole life. He knitted, he knitted me in my mother's womb. He was drawing me to him. There's been a fellowship. I ran from God my whole life. I opposed him. I was dead in my transgresses, and I needed to be reborn again. I didn't reborn myself. Uh, so I, he had, he's always had fellowship with me. So and it says, to, walking in the, in the light. Walking in the light. So now, what does that mean? That's giving us instructions. Uh, another example, uh, Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not in the flesh, but walk in the spirit. Okay? It's a walking. It's an action. So now, in the first part of the verse, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation, no punishment for my crime. I'm found not guilty. My sins are thrown as far as the east to the west are forgotten. I'm forgiven. But now it's giving me instructions to walk in the Spirit. Does that mean if I don't walk in the Spirit, then that I lose my salvation? No, it does not. It is not saying that. The same way it's saying here, if I choose to mourn the Spirit, grieve the Spirit... I am walking, I'm walking away from God, and I'm not walking in the light. If I begin to believe in agnostics or a false religion or a false gospel, see, I'm going to, and I could be a saved person, mourning and grieving the Spirit, but confused, I'm not walking in the light. It's telling us because that he's, and we are writing these things so that, that our joy, the joy that we have as fellow believers on the same page, may be complete with you, that you can have the same joy that we have. We, we know, we understand that the, the false teacher has come in here and has tried to twist the gospel. That you can walk in the light. The same as there's, no, there's forgiveness for you, there's no condemnation, but we must walk in the Spirit. This is the message we have heard from him. We proclaim it to you. Because you didn't hear it from him, so we're proclaiming it to you. Not that you're an unsaved person at this point in time, 
uh, you could be saved. But it, it does give us one, one positive thing. When it says you have to work out your salvation through fear and trembling, that doesn't mean you lose your salvation. Okay? You obtain your salvation. You have to work it out. You have to make sure that you got it right or it's going to bring pain into your life. That God is light and in him no darkness at all. If we say, now here he goes, now, now who is this? If we, that's him, John and his disciples, say we, John, the disciples, have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that, this, that you're an unsaved person. You could be mourning the spirit, you could be grieving the spirit, but if you're saved, what he's saying is that you can't, you, you walk in darkness, you, you cannot walk in darkness, you, you lie and do not practice the truth. You're lying to yourself, you're deceiving yourself. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So when we walk in, in this light of Christ, we have fellowship with fellow believers. If we're out there doing living a sin, mourning and grieving the spirit, we are not walking in the light together as brothers. We're, we're bringing pain into our lives. You're bringing pain into other people's lives. You could still be saved. Now, I'm not giving anything for the carnal the Christian aspect. I think you should always question yourself. Always, always, always question yourself as if I'm doing these things, do I have the spirit in me? The same spirit in me is greater than, than all the world. Do I have that spirit in me that saved me? Are you, do you feel convicted about what you're doing wrong? This is the things you'd have to ask yourself. But then he, then he goes on to say, but if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship of one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say, now very important now, he's still saying what? If we, John and disciples, say we have no sin, okay, a saved person. If you as a saved person say we, if we say we have no sin, what do we do? We deceive ourselves. You're, you're lying to yourself. And the truth is not in us. Okay? Now there's a, there's a point you have to ask yourself. If you're denying, if you're saying you have no sin because I've been washed in the blood so now I have no sin then you're denying it. If we say that we have no sin, you're deceiving yourself. And the truth is not in us. That would be very concerning. What type of religion is this? If we can, now he tells us, he gives us a remedy. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, that's not, we've come in and out of our salvation, and, he, and we, we regain our salvation. That's not what this is. This, is. this is a cleansing that we can, a sanctifying process, that we confess our sins to him and to one another, for we can walk back in light in the fellowship of fellow believers and live in that joy that he has. It has nothing to do with your salvation. And you, John, how, how can you say that? Well, here, let's just, let, me, let me just go to another, another book. 
If you think that you do not have to repent as a Christian, then what does this mean when, when Jesus' disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray to Jesus? Here's what Jesus says. Now, were his disciples saved? We, we could say all of them, except maybe we can argue, have an argument about Judas. But that's another message. But all his disciples, when he's telling them how to pray, what does he say? This is really going to burst, burst uh, the bubble here because it goes one step further. It, it's not only repent of your sins. Wait, wait for the catch line on this. It's a command. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. And forgive us our trespasses. Now why do I need to ask God for forgiveness of my trespasses if I've been washing the blood and I'm so righteous? And Jesus is telling me right now, I must ask for forgiveness of my trespasses and forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now not only... It's going to get worse for the guy that thinks he needs no repentance as a Christian. It's going to get worse here. There's a command for you. For if you, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So what does that mean? Not only do I got to pray for the forgiveness of my sins, I must forgive you, you, and you, and other fellow believers. I have to forgive my brother that's an heir in Scripture. I have to forgive him for being an heir. I have to forgive everybody. For, and what does that mean? I'm going to lose my salvation if I don't? No, it does not mean that. So, so much for that, that, that argument as far as you do not repent. And I, I think I've made it very clear. I think I've, I've said we. How many times have we, meaning John and the disciples, were saying this? And so we had two things going on here. We had the Gnostics coming into church. In the beginning of the letter, uh, John was pointing out that they, a third-person uh, uh, testimony, a third-person testimony that that we've seen this person, the disciples, I've seen this person, and I've seen them do the miracles. I've seen them do more miracles that we couldn't write them all down and we couldn't put it in, in, in this book. That's how many miracles that we've seen them do. We've seen them bring dead people to life. We've seen them made, made the blind to see. We made them see the lame to walk again. And not only that, I have 20 pages in here. I'd love to read you about all these other religions that don't even claim to be Christians, but they have to come up with a reason why Jesus exists. He's, they, the, the, he's a prophet. He's a miracle worker. Jews, they don't, no one denies the miracles he did. Now, they'll say that the miracles was from the Satan, Abizabob, but, but they don't deny it. Everybody has to deal with this man called Jesus. And that's the biggest question that you're going to have to ask yourself in your life. Who is this man, Jesus? Is it the Jesus in which someone's trying to, some man's trying to tell you it is? Or is it the Jesus of the Bible? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the incarnate God. God came in the formation of his creation. He, who was he? He was in the beginning. Jesus was. Who was he with? He was with God. He was before existence. The Holy Spirit was there as he spoke things into being. The Holy Trinity, all three, we cannot attack that or take that away. Or you do not believe in the Jesus of the Bible. And all it tells us that we need to do is believe, but we have to believe right. And by the way, 
When one gets in, puts himself in a position of teaching, preaching, Sunday school, remember, the judgment starts in the house of the Lord. We will be held accountable. The scariest thing I've ever done in my life is when I come up and I walk up on these stairs to begin to, begin to preach or teach. The accountability, what's going to have to be done. We, we have uh, an association, we have churches that uh, seem to be dissipating and falling apart. And, you know, honestly, what it is, it's the scripture. We, we should not go into a church on Sunday morning and have somebody tell us, as a Christian, you don't need to repent. All right? And what needs to happen is people need to come alongside them with love and say, no, brother, that, that's not what scripture says. That's not what scripture says. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. If we, here he goes again, we, John disciples, if we say we have not sinned, what do we do? We make him a liar and the word is not in us. I'm just really thankful for uh, knowing Jesus Christ as my, as my Lord and my Savior. I'm, I'm so thankful that I pray. I pray for wisdom and knowledge. I'm practically illiterate when I begin to pick up God's word. And uh, through uh, constantly trying to be in God's word, understanding it, getting it right, the importance of it, my, my literal skills have, have gained a lot. And I, and I know this to be true from the bottom of my heart. And I believe that we need to, wherever you are, if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're a parishioner, if you're a pastor, that we, we need to be in God's word and we need to be able to stand up for God's word. We need to be able to stand up for God. We, we are on the watchtower. We're the watchguards of it. If uh, we're going to see our churches continue in our association, the, the breadth of our ministry is not going to be our children's program, our sports program, how good our parking lot is, how, how the pews are. The breadth of our ministry will be how far we, we expound on God's word, how deep we go on God's word, and to be able to communicate that and share that. Now, I, I don't know how great of a communicator I am. I try to work on that. One, we have to get it right. We can't be an heir. Then we have to be good communicators. And then we have to do it in a loving way. We don't want to be uh, out of anger or hatred. Regardless, this is our mission field. The mission field out of lost people. But we should, uh, I just hope and pray that, uh, I, I ask everybody listening, that we pray for strength in our churches we pray for people to be in God's word, to understand God's word. He tells us that the harvest is right and the laborers are few. And uh, pray for God and ask him for uh, more laborers to come. More people that are excited about God's word, that want to read it, want to get a deep understanding of it. You know, the book of John tells us that uh, it was written, the book was written for that if you read it or you hear it, that you can come to believe. And by believing, you could have eternal salvation. And it's a literal book. 
It's not uh, like the Gnostics, that's some deeper meaning, some further meaning, further light. Uh, the, the Masons remind me of that. You go through levels where you get more knowledge and, and uh, deeper meaning, and, and you can rise to a certain level. Then if you get to this level of knowledge, then you can go to the Celestial Lodge. Listen, the, the Celestial Lodge is believing in Jesus Christ. Just the way it tells us in John, after John 3, 16, you must believe, believe in the Son. The God incarnate came down, lived a sinless life, propitiation, traded places for you and me, died on that cross, ascended the resurrection. We have a living God sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, today. He sits with the Father. He's our propitiation. He traded places. There's nothing I did for that. I was dead in my trespasses. Just like if I was on the OR, the operating table, and my heart stopped and I died, could I reach over and grab the paddle and shock myself back to life? No. Why does he use metaphors like this? Because they're so clear. When he told Nicodemus, you must be born again, what does that mean? Did Nicodemus, could you, did you take any part in your first birth? What part did you take in it? Absolutely none. So what part are you going to take in your second birth? Absolutely none. It's all what he does. And I understood my brother's argument that he did not want people to be, get pulled back into the law. This is not being pulled back into the law, confessing our sins. Okay? We're saved by grace through faith, saved by faith through grace, for no one can boast. There's nothing we can do to obtain it. When you feel that calling on your heart, you have to ask your question, do I believe? You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth who Jesus is, the real and accurate Jesus. And you begin to do what? The joy. He wants to, to, to us to have fellowship with one another, to have this joy in this fallen and troubled world. So I just, uh, I thank you this evening for letting me to expound on God's word. Looking forward to going deeper on Sunday evening.